0: Be starting a new series this morning called War, and um, I'm super excited about it because it's something that since I was um, a young kid that I've just been very passionate about. um, I genuinely believe this, and let me set this whole series up. I genuinely believe that the life of a Christian is a life of fighting. Um, I think many people have the idea that whenever you get saved, everything is now just like peaches and cream, right? Like when you get saved, it's just you and Jesus and everything in your life goes smoothly and it's great. And especially if you watch TBN, they will tell you that everything is perfect and everything goes smoothly and Christianity is awesome. And here's the most devastating thing in the world is when you don't know Jesus and you have this preconceived idea of when you know, when you come to know Jesus and you get saved, you think that everything in your life is going to go smoothly, well, what happens when it doesn't? You are extremely disappointed and you're devastated and you're like, why is my relationship with Jesus? Why do I fight? Why do I struggle? Why do I go through difficult times? Why do I question certain things? And so what I want to do this morning, and we're going to do this for the next three weeks, is dive through a series simply called War and simply call us to finish this race well. To finish this race well, that God has called us not to get sluggish, that he's not called us to drop off the deep and give up in certain times, but he wants us to keep pushing, he wants us to keep straining, he wants us to keep fighting. So if you have a Bible, um, it's gonna be in Second Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, and this is gonna kind of set up the sermon this morning. Simply this, this is Paul talking. He says, as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near, and I love this verse. He says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. So let's let's think about verse 7 for a moment. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. The Christian life is a marathon, right? It's a race that we all enter into, and have you ever gotten halfway down and you're like, man, forget this. It's just too... Just Difficult. I just want to coast by, I just want to go to church, I just want to get my Sunday fix in, and then I just want to go about my life, and I don't want to fight because it's too difficult, it's too hard. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, a lot of us in here have lost that fight. We've lost that desire, that willingness. Um, It's so easy just to give in to fleshly desires and sins and, and comforts because the world is readily available to us, isn't it? Um, We live in the most comfortable culture on the face of the planet. Like, if you don't want to think about life... You don't have to sit there in silence and not think about it. What can you do? You can numb yourself. You can get on Facebook and you can scroll for hours. You can watch TV. They have narcotics now that will help you with that. You can numb yourself. And a lot of people come to a place where they get into the Christian life and it starts off on the mountaintop. You're, you're so excited. You just got saved and God's changing all these things in their life. Then we go five, six, seven years, eight years down the road and we just get tired. We just get tired. We're like, is this really what it's got? It's seriously. I remember waking up um, about five years ago and totally just dissatisfied in my relationship with Jesus. I remember laying in bed one night and I'm like, is this really going to be the rest of my life? And in my relationship with Jesus, like, am I really just going to feel like this all the time? Like, am I really going to feel like I'm just constantly hanging on by a thread, barely making it? Christian life is a life of Fighting. Paul says, and I've fought the good fight. My entire life I've fought through, and now I can say, I've remained faithful. I've remained faithful. And this is my goal and my journey that I hope that we can walk on for the next three weeks. That we can for those of us that has lost that fight, for those of us that are maybe in the race and it's a new race for us, and, and Jesus is exciting and everything is exciting right now, and so it's easy for you. My prayer is that no matter how long you have left on this earth, that for the rest of of your life that you would continue to fight, that you would continue to push through, because what's always on the other side of you pushing through and you fighting is joy. Many of us have been um, saved for years, but we have come to the point where we're simply surviving off the scraps that we get on a Sunday morning. Like, we're, we're barely making it. Like, if you miss church, like, your week is over, Right? If you miss church, you're like, man, I need Sunday mornings because that's where I get my Jesus. That's where we read the Bible. That's where I get encouraged. And then you walk out there on Mondays and Tuesdays, and it seems like it just all falls apart. Why? Why? Because we're not fighting throughout the week. Um, Many years ago, I literally, I know it was just the Spirit of God that gave me this phrase, and it was simply fight to know. And uh, it, I was walking through this kind of dark time in my life, and it, it wasn't really because of anything that I had done. that was sinful. It was really just, I don't know why I walked through this dark period of my life where I just did not feel connected with Jesus. I didn't feel anything, I, I, and I don't know what it was. And uh, I've shared this story before, but I remember I'm, I'm in Bible college, and I go out from my dorm room, and it's about 3.30 in the morning. And I get out in the middle of this field, and, and I'm like, God, what is going on? And I remember just having like this screaming match between me and God, just yelling at God, like, where are you? What is going on? <laughs> you ever had that before? Or am I the only weird one? <laughs> uh, but I'm uh, on my campus, and I'm positive that people are probably waking up in the dorms like, who is this crazy man outside in the dorm, like yelling at the top of his lungs? We remember just yelling and yelling and screaming. And this simple phrase just drops into my heart fight to know. Like, if you really want to know the intimacy of Jesus, if you really want to have joy, if you really want to have a genuine, authentic relationship with Jesus, then you have got to fight to simply know Him. Because there's always going to be fleshly desires and momentary comfort that want to rise up, and it's so easy for us to give in to them. So easy for us to give in. I believe that a failure to fight for time with Jesus is always going to be the reason that life seems out of order. So so here's the question that I have this morning. Does your life seem out of whack? Does your relationship with Jesus seem out of order? Does it seem mundane? Is it not exciting? Chances are that we're probably not fighting to know Jesus. Here's the truth. Christianity is not a comfort-filled life. It is not a comfort-filled life. It is not you pray the prayer, you get saved, and now you can sit back and just coast. It's a violent fight against your flesh to know Jesus daily. Like every single morning, I have to wake up and cleanse my mind and my thoughts and go, okay, no, no, no. If I want to know Jesus, then I've got to prepare myself. I've got to go to war. I've got to fight. 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 Know, if you want to know Jesus, it's a fight to simply know him. This is what Romans 8.13 says. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So there's two things going on here. If we live by our desires and what we want in the moment we die. But if we fight and we allow the Spirit to enable us and to live inside of us, then we have power to push through and fight. One of my favorite uh, Puritans, um, John Owen, he wrote extensively on the topic of um, this anti theological word, mortification. And basically what it means is that do you when you deal with sin, do you see it as a big deal? Or do you just kind of deal with it and go, eh, I'll get over it later? he wrote this book called uh, Mortification, and and he basically goes through the concept and the idea, like, you don't really, like, when you sin, when you fall short, when you struggle, when you mess up, if you don't see it as a big deal and you see it as just a minute little thing, those little things begin to turn into big things. And so he coins this phrase throughout the book, and he says, be killing sin or it will be killing you. Be killing sin or it will be killing you. Here's men, Let me let's talk for a moment. I remember, and I'll just this isn't anything that I haven't shared with my wife or uh, many other people in here. I remember being a young man in high school and, and just dealing with lust, and uh, it was something that you know just every time, like I'll try to fight, and what happened is falling into to lustful desires or, or whatever it was, and then as soon as that would happen, what happens to your relationship with Jesus? You feel powerless, right? And it may not just be lust, it may be some other sin that you wrestle with or grapple with. But here's what happens is, man, you can have this week where you're doing well. And everything's going fine. You're like, man, me and my relationship with Jesus is just awesome. And then what happens? You, you give it to sin. You don't see it as a big deal. And then the enemy creeps in and says, look, see? See? You know what? You, you might as well just keep you might as well just stay here because it's hopeless. And so we end up falling into this perpetual cycle when we don't see our sin. Is a big deal. I have learned that there is absolutely no substitute for time alone with Jesus. Like when I wake up in the morning, I have to see it as this. I wake up in the morning and I go to battle. I go to war because I know as soon as I step out of, not even out of my house, as soon as I get out of my bed, there is the opportunity for Satan and sinful desires and all these things to engulf me. I mean, you don't, I mean, the culture that we live in now, you don't even have to be searching for it. You drive by and you see billboards and you see things all over the place and it just hits you. Or, or you when I get out of bed, all of a sudden you got four kids all over you. And you want to just sleep and drink a cup of coffee. <laughs> Instantly. If I'm not going to battle, if I'm not going to war, then my desires and my flesh takes over. It takes over. There's no substitute for time alone with Jesus. And here's what I've noticed about our culture is we stay so busy with things, and we always claim that we don't have time. So maybe our kids are involved in in sports or maybe we have a pretty demanding job, or maybe something goes on, and you got to spend time with family, or whatever it is. But here's the truth. I don't care what you have going on in your schedule or what your schedule looks like. There is no substitute for time alone for Jesus. And as soon as you replace it with something else is the moment that you are putting yourself in a place and in a position that you are susceptible to the enemy. Every time that I look at my life and it's somewhat out of whack or my attitude is off or my wife comes to me and says, hey, what is wrong with you? What's going on? It's always contingent on how my relationship with Jesus is doing and what my priorities are in that time. Nothing in your schedule should be more important than making war against your flesh. And let's read Romans 8, 7 through 8. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. In other words, it is an enemy towards God. For it does not submit to God's laws. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. When your desires outweigh anything else, it is impossible to please God. And here's what I've learned. Is specifically within the culture that we live in now, things are so readily available to us. Like, uh, I'll give you, for instance, um, any women in here, like, you're pregnant, and has, I don't know if, if you're pregnant, and, like, the, the cravings have kicked in, or maybe you've ever been pregnant. Well, my wife um, has had these odd cravings whenever she's pregnant. Um, for this one, I... No, the last, uh, for Amelia, our third one, she had this weird craving, and I kid you not, for like a watermelon. Like she'd be like, babe, can you just go to the store and get me a watermelon? Wow, watermelon, why do you want a watermelon? And then she'd be like peeing all night because she ate the entire watermelon. <laughs> or, or, hey, I'm craving, it was like for a while, it was like a sonic slush, can you, can you go get me some? Okay, yeah, i okay. But the thing that I've noticed is now we live in the day and age if you want something, you can get it, Right? If you just think about something like, I want that, then you get it. Does anybody ever remember the scene? And I might be the only one, and I may think it's the only person that it's funny, but it's hilarious to me. Anybody remember remember Napoleon Dynamite, the movie? Just the the awesome movie. And when they're sitting in that scene, and that guy is showing them that sailboat, and the wife, she's like, I want that. (laughs) I don't know why. Just continue to think about that. But... We have this thing in our life when we desire something, when our flesh wants it. If we're not careful, we live in a culture where we can get it instantly. Instantly. Man, you want something that you don't need, you want something that you shouldn't have, you can get it. Any desire that you please, we live in a culture where it's ready and available and we can get it at any single moment. Which is the reason that if we're not going to war, if we're not spending time with Jesus, if we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to invade our lives, then we are living in a dangerous world. We're living in a dangerous world because it's so dangerous because of the fact that we can get things whenever we want them. And if we're not spending time with Jesus, then we have, there's no armor, there's no guard, there's nothing Going on and we just take it. I want to give you the example of Peter in uh, Luke twenty-two thirty-nine. 39. And so let me set this up a little bit, but Jesus is actually, it's right before his death. And many of you know the story, but he goes up to the Garden of Gethsemane and uh, he looks at his disciples and he says, hey, listen, I'm going to go up and I'm going to go pray. And I want you guys to stay down here, and I want you to pray that God would have his way in this situation. And Jesus, at this time, he's agonizing, and even says that he sweats blood, and even asks Jesus, like, if, if this can pass me, pass it by. So Jesus is coming to his disciples, and he says, Listen, pray with me. He says, Pray that you do not fall into temptation. And this is what uh, Luke chapter 22 says. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives to pray, as was his custom, and told his disciples, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. This is what happens. The disciples fall asleep. They fall asleep. The next thing that Peter does is he cuts a man's ear off. (laughs) He cuts a man's (laughs) ear off. Then he denies Jesus three times. And I want you to notice something. That Jesus says, hey, listen, go spend time with the Father so that you do not fall into temptation. Okay, yeah, we're going to go do that. And they go and they sleep. They don't prepare their hearts. They don't ready their hearts. And what is the result? They fall into temptation. And here's the truth. What is true of Peter is this true for all of us. You fall in private before you ever fall in public. You fall in private before you ever fall in public. So let me me give you an example. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, you know what? I think I'm going to cheat on my wife today. You you just don't do that. You know what? I think I am just going to get like nasty drunk. You you don't do that. Nobody wakes up in the morning and just does that. It is something that has been going on in your heart over and over again year after year, and week after week, and month after month, that eventually, because you have not fought those desires, and you have not made war against the flesh, you give into to it. You give into to it. Give in to it. give in to it. One of the reasons, and I've said this over and over, um, you know, many of you know this, but it's... Widely spread all over the media and everything that we read, and it seems like I read an article almost every single week about it, about some pastor that has fallen into temptation and has been immoral. And then here's the story as it goes, it's like, man, I don't know what happened, it just kind of happened, and then it, 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 the truth is it's been going on for years. It's one of the many reasons that I've said this before to the church, but every single Tuesday morning, all of our pastors get together, and we just—we don't talk about church, we don't talk about how things are going, we just talk about our hearts, and what's going on inside of here, and we confess sins, and we walk through those things. It's the reason that when you come to our offices, that there's glass doors on our offices. Why? Because we know that we're susceptible to sin. My wife and I have made... I kind of prom- made a promise to my wife that whenever I travel, I'll never travel alone. Never. Why? It's, it's not that I don't trust myself. It's the fact that I don't trust sin. I don't trust temptation. I don't, I don't travel by myself. One, it, it, it helps me to look better when I'm traveling with another man as a pastor, going and preaching at places. And then two, I don't want to sit in a hotel room by myself and be subjected to temptation. Because listen, I know Zach McCann. I know the things that I wrestle with and the things that I deal with. And if I don't put boundaries in my life, then I fall into them. So here's the question. Are you carving out time in your day to spend with Jesus? A time to fight your flesh, a time to go to battle, a time to go to war, a time to increase your senses, temptation. I've read this quote before, but I think D.A. Carson explains it the best, and this is what he talks about. He says this, People do not drift towards holiness. Apart from grace-driven effort, people do not gravitate towards godliness, prayer, obedience to Scripture, faith, and delight in the Lord. He says, we drift towards compromise and call it tolerance. We drift towards disobedience and call it freedom. We drift towards superstition and call it faith we cherish the indiscipline of the lost self-control and call it relaxation. We slouch towards prayerlessness and delude ourselves into thinking we have escaped legalism. We slide towards godlessness and convince ourselves we have been liberated. So what does all that mean? Number one, you will never drift towards holiness. Ever. You're never going to wake up in the morning and say, you know what, I just feel closer to God than I did yesterday. You're never going to wake up and just drift towards being a godly person. It causes and it takes fight to know Jesus. And if you want to be more like Jesus, then it's a constant crucifixion of your flesh. A constant of putting sinful desires to death. You know, if you, a few years ago, actually all the way up until about a year ago. I had the privilege, before we started this campus, I was leading worship um, at our Jennings campus for about four years. And um, so being a musician, uh, one of the things that we did, and I see our band that does it every single Sunday as well, they get up here, and especially if you play a stringed instrument, you tune your guitar. And and you get it in tune. And what I have found is our heart is a lot. So, so here's the deal. If Josh, who plays guitar, if he decided to come up here on one Sunday and let's just say he played every note and every chord perfectly, didn't miss a beat, but his heart was out of tune, what came out of that instrument would sound awful. And he could have all the correct finger placements. He's like, man, I'm hitting the right notes. But the truth is it's out of tune. And here's what I've noticed about Christianity is a lot of times – we believe we don't have to tune our heart and we're going, listen, I'm I'm like, I'm I'm reading scripture, I'm quoting the verses and why is it not working? It's because we're not in tune. We're not tuning our hearts. Just like the guitar has to be tuned every single time before before you play it is the same thing with our heart. Our heart is a lot like a musical instrument. You tune it every day and then guess what happens? All throughout the day, it gets bumped. It gets bumped. It gets ruffled. It gets hit. You go to the mother-in-law's house. It gets bumped. <laughs> you, you show up at work. It gets bumped. You get in front of the computer. It gets bumped. So, so what happens? What do we have to do? We have to go back. We have to retune. We have to refocus. We have to reset. And, and some of you are wondering. Here's the thing. You're wondering, like, man, I know the scriptures. I've quoted the verses, and why aren't they working? It's because we're not taking time out of our day to tune our hearts. We're not taking time out of the day to align our affections with Jesus. Here's the truth. In order to know the peace in the storm, you have to be with Jesus. In in order to know comfort and suffering, you have to know Jesus. Jesus. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27 says this. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs? So in life, everybody's going to run. But only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. It says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself may be disqualified. So everybody's gonna run. Everybody's gonna run the race. The truth is, can we all quote at the end of our life, man, I've run, I have finished, I've been faithful. Momentary comfort is always going to be at war with eternal gain. Momentary comfort is always going to be at war with eternal gain. So so what does that mean? Meaning that a lot of times what I see, the reason that people fall into these cycles and these patterns of depression or just not understanding why the relationship with Jesus is not working out is because they trade something temporal for something man, okay, I can just give in today and it'll be all right tomorrow. The problem with that is when you give in today, it sets the course for the rest of the week. It sets the course for the rest of the week. So here's what I've learned to do. About uh, three, four years ago, when I was traveling back and forth to Baton Rouge every single day, um, so it's about an hour and a half there, an hour and a half back, I had about three hours of just silence, which is, if you have kids it's just awesome. Three hours of just silence, and I remember I didn't have. I, I really I woke up at five in the morning to leave, and I got back at eight o'clock at night. I did not have time to spend time with Jesus, so I could have looked at my schedule and said, "Look, I, I literally don't have time." Because by the time I got home, I'm spent. I'm done. And so what I did is, I've never done this before, I literally plugged my phone into my car, turned a podcast on, turned the audio, the Bible, and that was my time for Jesus in that drive. Here's the thing, if you are passionate about something and you really want something, it does not matter what your schedule looks like, you will find time. You will find time. Let me give you an example. Men, any sports fans in here? Sports fanatics? Okay, If you live a busy life, let's say you work 7-7 or 14-14, whatever it is, you find time to figure out what the score is. Right? Like, what's the score? You make time for that. Or or when you come back, if you love to hunt, you love to fish, you make time for that. And how is it that Jesus, in our relationship with Jesus, becomes not a byline but a sideline? becomes kind of sidelined, like, man, I've got all these hobbies, I've got all these other things that I'm doing, and, and ultimately, your own fleshly desires and your own fleshly passions become more important than the God of the universe, and it's the reason that life seems out of order. So, so here's the deal. If your extra time It may just be a commute. It may just be a drive to work. If all of your extra time is filled with hobbies, Facebook, entertainment, or sleep, these are most likely the things that are robbing your relationship with Jesus. And here's what I've learned. The things that often cause us to drift away are not sinful things. They're usually good things. It's not that Facebook is sinful. It's not that TV is sinful. It's not that reading a book is sinful or playing Xbox is sinful, it's when good things begin to pull us away from our relationship with Jesus. So let me give you an example. So let's say, you know, you love to play Xbox, you love video games. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not bad, it's not, you know, an evil thing. Here's the problem with it, is if you're still playing Xbox, You're 30 years old, your mom's serving you pizza rolls and you're sitting in your underwear and you don't have a job. There is something wrong with that. At that point, you can look at it and say, okay, maybe Xbox is controlling my life. Listen, women, there is nothing wrong with reading a novel. Absolutely nothing wrong with reading a novel. I love to read books. When that novel, and when you read it, you begin to fantasize about some guy and some husband that your husband will never be, and is not really reality, it's wrong. It begins to, when you read the novel, to take you out of your world, to enter into this fantasy world, it's wrong. It pulls you away, it pulls you away from what is really going on. It's not that TV is sinful it's when you use it to drown out the current state of your life. So here's the deal. See Facebook, TV, Xbox, all these novel, whatever it is, these things often rob us from our relationship with Jesus. Why? Because they're easier to justify. Good things are easier to well, it's just TV, it's not sin. Just Facebook is not sin. It's easier to say, well, I'm not sinning, I'm not living this, you know, awful lifestyle. And then you look at your neighbor and you're like, man, he's getting plastered every week. I'm not doing that. And you start playing this comparison game. And we go back to what John Owen was talking about. The moment that you get comfortable and the moment that you relax and say, ah, it's not a big deal. This is the moment it's got you. It's the moment that it's got you. So here's the question, what good things in your life rob your free time and end up becoming sinful and causing you to drift? I came face to face with this phrase a few years ago, that dark time that I was telling you about. And I read it in a book, and I don't even remember where it was, but it said this, we are at this moment as close to God as we choose to be. There are times when we like to know a deeper intimacy, but when it comes to the point, we're not prepared to pay the price involved. So at this moment, you're as close to God as you want to be. And then there's some of you in here that say, you know what, I want to be even closer to God. But when it comes time to actually make the sacrifice to know Jesus, you don't want to do it. So if knowing Jesus and really having intimacy with Jesus is going to require you to wake up a little bit earlier, you're kind of like, eh, I'll do it tomorrow. Right? Eh, I'll do it tomorrow. Or maybe we resist community and resist getting around other godly men and women because of our fears and our insecurities. Here's the truth. I believe that most of us have a desire to want to know Jesus more. We want to have a greater intimacy with Jesus. But when it comes down to it, we're not willing to pay the price involved. We're not willing to make the sacrifice. I'll give you another example. I am, any, let's just do this. Anybody in here, show of hands, any morning people? Like, you just, like, you love the morning? Okay, awesome. Any people in here, like, you're not a morning person? Okay, most of you. Yeah, I love you. Okay? See, when I, um, when I got married, how many of you know when you first get married, you were just, for lack of a better word, you're dumb. <laughs> you, you think you have it all figured out, and I remember, um, we're on our honeymoon, and the first night that we my wife and I wake up together, I, I like I'm not a morning person at all. And it's like six o'clock in the morning, and my wife was like, bing! Hey! hey! I'm like, what are you doing? Like it's six o'clock in the morning. Like you, you go back to sleep. We, we, nobody wakes up at this hour right now. Like, what you are crazy. I remember going, oh my god, what have I done? Who have I married? My wife. Like Absolutely loves the morning Now now that we have almost five kids It's changed a little bit But the the thing that I've learned through, Through this is for me Now even though I love the mornings And I love to sleep And it requires much coffee And a shower in the morning To just get me up I have learned the only time That I have in my day To spend time with Jesus is early Before everybody else is awake before everybody, do, do I do I nail it every time and do I get up before everybody every single day of the week? No. There's many, there's days that I snooze, I hit the alarm, and then by the time I spend time with Jesus, there's kids all over me. But if I really want to know truer and greater intimacy with God, then I've got to sacrifice something that I love, which is sleep. I've got to war against my flesh. So so the thing that I've started doing is when I set the alarm clock, I actually set it like I have to get out of bed. I used to have it like right by me, so snooze. Now I have to throw the covers off, get out of bed, find my phone, turn it off, and now I'm up. So, so here's the question that I have. Don't come in here this morning and say, you know what, yeah, I want to know Jesus more. I want to have greater intimacy with Jesus. Here's the question. When it comes to that, are you willing to pay the price involved? Are you willing to make war to fight against your flesh, and your desires. So number two. Number one was we'll never drift towards holiness. You're as close to Jesus at this point as you want to be right now. Number two, make war against your flesh. Make war against your flesh. This is Romans 8, 12 through 15. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, See, the, the only way that you make it is by being empowered through the Spirit. We need a radical encounter with Jesus. And here's the truth. Many of us, at one point, it started on high point, we, we felt this close and this intimacy with Jesus, and now we're like, where did it go? And if you're feeling that right now, that chances are it's because you've come to a place where you're just drifting. It's stagnant, you're not fighting. The life of a Christian is a life of fighting. Fighting to remember what God has brought you from. Man, many of you in here, you've got some great stories. Like your life is a train wreck. And then God in His grace and His mercy, He reaches down and He pulls you out of that. And then fast forward six years and you're going, man, what's going on in my life? God, where are you? Sometimes it requires us just remember where you were. Remember the faithfulness of God to pull you out of your sin, to pull you out of that and save you. See, sometimes it's a fight just to simply remember who God is and what he's done for us and how gracious he has been to us. The only possible attitude towards out-of-control desire is a declaration of all out war against the flesh. Oh, I was reading a uh, biography a few um, weeks ago, and they have this story in there about this soldier, and uh, it's in World War II, and basically what happens is he gets shot in the leg, and his whole battalion basically, he falls into kind of like this hole, this bunker that they had, and his whole battalion had left thinking that he was with them. Well, about two days later, two days later, which is just crazy, he kind of, comes to, wakes up, realizes that he's in the middle of the woods in World War II by himself. Like, by himself. And he says all of a sudden, this great like kind of fear takes over, and he said something crazy happens. This fight and this willingness to live takes over. And he starts explaining this account, and he's like, it seemed like I could hear a twig snap a mile away. He said, it seemed like I could hear somebody breathing miles away. Why? Because I'm so vigilant and I'm so aware of my surroundings because if I fall asleep, if I get comfortable, I'm going to die. There's this, there's this thought process about being back with his wife and his kids and his loved ones. For three days, he stays out there, not accounting even the two days that he was asleep in this bunker. So for five days, no food, little bit of water. And he said, I did not sleep for five days. Why? Because there's this willingness to survive. There's this willingness to live. And here's the thing about fighting that you've got to remember. Is when you are in a fight, it keeps you aware. And the moment that you decide to get comfortable is the moment that you're no longer aware of your surroundings. And here's here's the issue, and here's the problem that we face with people that do not enter into the fight. Is all of a sudden now, you're no longer aware of your surroundings. You're no longer aware of the schemes and the temptations of the enemy. See, when you go to prayer and you seek Jesus you begin to become aware of how serious this is and how much you need to fight and how much you need to push through. John Piper says it this way. He says, I hear so many Christians murmuring about their imperfections and their failures and their addictions and their shortcomings, and I see so little war. He says, make war. I came face to face with this a few days ago and just complaining, like, God, why am I still dealing with this? Why am I still struggling with this? And this is what he's talking about. He says, I see so many Christians complaining about their imperfections, complaining about giving in to their desires and doing things they don't want to do and trying to go, God, why am I doing this? But so many Christians do not go to war, they do not go to battle, they do not fight their flesh. If you're wondering how to make war, it's simply, for for some of us, simply, it's just simply opening the Bible. Like, I am going to be a student of the Word. Like, I I don't read this much, I don't know much about it, but I am going to fight through this and I'm going to read it. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. That's what I want for each and every one of us in here man, when you come to the end of your life that you can look at it and say, listen, yeah, were there's some bumps in the road? Were there some difficult times? Sure. But you can be confident that when this is all over and you're nearing and you're getting close to seeing Jesus face to face, that you can say exactly what Paul does, man, I fought the good fight. I've been faithful. And, and maybe at the end of your life, you've got a few bruises and you've got a few cuts and you're bloodied up a little bit. But it shows that you've been in war. It shows that you've been fighting. Don't get sluggish. Don't give up. As I was preparing for this, I don't know why, I just couldn't help think about this, and I think everybody knows this little child story. Remember the story of the tortoise and the hare? The rabbit who is obviously, the hare who is obviously much faster than the turtle. What does he do? He takes off he gets halfway down, and he goes, you know what, that, the tortoise is way down there. I'm going to sleep. I'm going to settle. I'm going to get comfortable. And what does he do? The tortoise just keeps trudging along at a slow pace, and he wins the race. Listen, Christianity is not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's a marathon. Keep going. That The idea behind it is keep fighting. Keep struggling through some things. And then you can look back and say, you know what, i have finished. i finished. Don't get comfortable. Don't get sluggish. Don't give up. I know that times right now, maybe you're looking at your circumstances in your life and you're sick, Pastor Zach, you don't understand. You don't understand what I'm going through. You don't understand what I'm walking through. You don't understand how difficult it is. And I may not, but can I offer you this? Jesus does. Jesus does. And he wants you to keep, pursuing. He wants you to keep pushing. He wants you to keep fighting, to know him. It's worth it. So here's the deal. What are are we making war against? What are we making war against? Every impulse in our soul that causes us to drift further away from we're making war against lust of the eyes, we're making war against power, fame, money, the approval of man. And the only foothold that Satan has in our life is your flesh and your sin. Here's the deal. Nobody goes to hell because of Satan. Nobody goes to hell because of Satan. People go to hell because of sin. Be- because we give up, we don't fight. It gets too difficult, and we complain, and we murmur, and we say, it's just too hard. I don't want to do this anymore. It's just going to be easier to leave. And here's the truth. It may be easier for a moment. But then you find yourself right back in that cycle. You know, my my biggest enemy is not Satan. My biggest enemy is Zach McCann. That is what I'm fighting against every single day. My flesh and my desires. Putting those to death. So here's what I want to get at and close out with this morning: Is fighting our flesh and fighting sin and fighting our desires. is a fight to the death. It's a fight to the death. So here's what I want to offer to you. This morning. Man, maybe you're maybe you're struggling in your marriage. Maybe you're struggling with lust and it's got a chokehold on you. Maybe you're struggling with, like we talked about last week, the approval of men. Like that's what you long for to be approved. Or fear, or whatever it is. We say this over and over. If you're trying to fight by yourself, you can't do it need to bring other people along and help you war and help you battle and help you fight that sin. So for some of us, it's simply just confessing it to a godly brother, or a godly sister. Just be like, man, this is what I'm dealing with. This is what I'm struggling with. This is what is grappling me. This is what is ripping me up on the inside. This is what is hindering me from going further in my relationship with Jesus. That's the first step. You start and just like let it out. Second step is let God take control. Let God take control. Let God be God. Get your hands out of it. S- so many of us, we don't see God working, and so we, we, we know what we do. We go, God, you know what? You can just step back for a moment. I got this. I don't see you working in the timing that I would like you to work, so I'm going to take care of this. Sometimes it's just confessing what we're going through, stepping back and saying, okay, God, you know what? I trust you. Trust you. And then trust the process. And sometimes, here's what I've learned, it's not fast. Sometimes it's slow. And it's a slow journey, and it's a slow process, but we serve a faithful God who's going to be with us every single step of the way. Trust Him. Don't get sluggish. Don't give up. I know times might be difficult right now, but God is with us. Close with one story. You guys heard the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? When they're basically forced to bow down to worldly gods but Knessar comes he says listen if you don't bow down for this man made image he said I'm going to throw you in the furnace and so he was so enraged that they wouldn't bow down what ends up happening he tells his men he says listen go to the furnace and light it hotter than it's ever been he says the guards even died as they were lighting the fires. it was so hot so he takes the three men and he throws them in the fire they're kind of watching, and like, why aren't they dying? And then it says that all of a sudden they see another human image in there. So no longer is there three men, there's four men standing in there. And so Nebuchadnezzar calls, he's like, bring him out of here. They come out of the fire. It says that their clothes were not even singed, and they didn't even smell like smoke. Who was with them? Listen, you might be in the middle of fire right now. You may be walking through absolute hell right now. And with everything in you, you want to give up. But that same God that stood with them in the fire when they were having to go, okay, we enter this, we're going to die. That same God that stood with them is the same God that stands with you in the storm. When you want to give up when you want to quit. It's the same God. It's the same God when Jesus is in the boat in the storm and He commands the seas and the waves to stop, and they obey Him. So listen. Don't ever fall into the trap that we can so easily fall into. My situation is too big, and God can't handle it because I've screwed it up so much. He's the God that commands the seas. He's the God that sets the stars into orbit and he's the God that controls every single molecule in your body. He knows your trials. He knows your temptations. And he's with you. He's with you. Don't give up. Keep fighting. Keep pushing. Keep pursuing. Even when his word doesn't make sense, you keep going to it. Even when prayer doesn't make sense anymore, you keep Doing it, Even when the race seems hopeless, you keep running. Even when it seems senseless to go and confess sins to other people because it makes you look stupid, keep doing it. Keep fighting. It's a fight to know Jesus. If you really want to know the authentic God of the universe, then you have to fight. You've got to make war against your flesh. The longer that we keep doing that, We get joy, we get the God of the universe, and then we can say, just like Paul, man, I've finished the race, I've been faithful, and then one day, we get to come face to face with Jesus. We get to celebrate all the things that we've fought through. And all the difficulties, one day that you've walked through, one day makes sense. All the suffering that you've had to endure, one day makes sense when you're sitting down face to face with Jesus. Father, I thank you for who you are. God, I know that there's many people in this room. God, they're struggling. They're they're, they're struggling to even fight. God, they hear this and maybe they feel conviction. God, I pray this morning they would leave here, God, with an angst. God, just with this holy desire to want to go to battle, to want to fight against our fleshly desires. God, we thank you for your grace, for covering us. God, even when we don't deserve it. God, even when it's difficult, even when we fall into temptation, God, that you come and you pick us up and you swoop us up and you're with us. God, I pray that if we've lost our fight, God, if we've lost the willingness to just keep pushing forward, God, I pray that your spirit would come and live inside of us this morning and that we would be able to endure that we would have a renewed sense of just wanting to go to battle. God, refresh us, restore us. In Jesus' name,